the Juno for Global Music Album of the Year goes to Lenka, Lenka Lichtenberg. That's what it sounded like Saturday evening in Edmonton at the Juno Awards ceremony, where Toronto musician Lenka Lichtenberg won for Best Global Music Album. It's for Thieves of Dreams, songs of Theresienstadt's secret poetess. The Junos are Canada's venerable music prize, and they've been around for over half a century. And while the main awards are broadcast tonight, Monday, March 13th on CBC for the bigger categories, the Academy did hand out a whole bunch of awards over the weekend, including to Lichtenberg and Michael Bublé and The Weeknd and The Arkells. This may be the first time, though, that a Holocaust-themed album has won a Juno. The lyrics come from poems written by Lichtenberg's grandmother, Anna Hanna Frizova, beginning in 1942, after the Nazis deported the family from their home in Czechoslovakia to the concentration camp inside the Theresienstadt ghetto. While her grandmother and her mother would survive, Lichtenberg's grandfather and great-grandparents were killed. Afterwards, these two soft-cover notebooks containing her grandmother's 65 poems stayed hidden for decades, Also hidden were Lichtenberg's Jewish roots. She was born and raised in post-war Chechia, as the Republic is now called, but her mother didn't tell her she was Jewish until Lichtenberg was nine to protect her from anti-Semitism. After she discovered the lost poems in 2016, Lichtenberg felt compelled to set her family's Holocaust legacy to music. Overall, there is a moment of somehow more openness to, to hearing stories like that. And and I think that's fantastic. But that's because maybe the world needs it and the world is open to it. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, March the 13th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News sponsored by Metropia. Lenka Lichtenberg was a child theatre star in her native Prague before she moved to Canada when she was in her 20s to perform on cruise ships. Since then, her musical career has been in folk and jazz and even cantorial music. In the past few years, though, her interest has been in the music of the Holocaust. Thieves of Dreams came out last year. It is her most personal album. It's sung in Czech, not in English. Her late grandmother's poems don't speak specifically about the torture or brutality she endured while a prisoner. Instead, her poems talk about feeling betrayed or longing for her husband, even about grief, like this track called Mam Vashni Trud, where Lichtenberg also added a recording of her late mother's voice, too. nejsmutnější chodba mého života, protože je to chodba k dveřím. Coming up, my chat with Lenka Lichtenberg, who I spoke to last week before she knew if she would win the Juno. That conversation right after this message. During World War II, the Nazis began a little-known program of extermination for their own children. In Peter Klenot's new mystery thriller, The Unwanted, 14-year-old Hannah Ziegler is being driven by her grandfather and her psychiatrist to a euthanasia center. 16-year-old Silky Hartenstein graces the cover of Nazi propaganda magazines. Avi Kreisler is a Munich police detective rounded up for Dachau. 
And a patrician father hopes his son, David McAuliffe, will be elected the first Catholic president of the United States. In the unwanted, in the aftermath of war, revenge brings these four people together in ways unimaginable. The unwanted. Do not skip to the last page. Find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And joining me now is Lenka Lichtenberg from her home in rural Ontario near Coburg. It's great to meet you. Congratulations on the Juno nomination. Uh, well, absolutely, because uh, getting a nomination is just such a huge deal already for me. And I pretty well assume for most people that uh, you already feel like you won regardless. That that that's our final step of it is just uh, um, really the smaller part, the smaller part. The biggest part is to have been picked as one of the five nominees. I want to ask you a bit about the backstory to the to the album. How well did you know your grandmother, Anna Hanna? I mean, she died in 1987. I thought I knew her beautifully well, but uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, it is one of those things where you base your perception of somebody on, on that uh, pretty superficial kind of, you know, as a child, you're looking at an older person and you think that that's kind of well, there is, all there is, perhaps. And I think we're all guilty, or at least many of us, and I'm certainly included, of not asking enough questions of uh, our elders. And when you come around and start thinking about it, usually they're gone already. And uh, that seems to be kind of a universal thing, you know. So I thought I knew my grandmother very well because we spent a lot of time together when I was growing up for the weekends or and or for any uh, break at school, uh, a summer break, I would spend a big chunk of uh, my summers with her and also in the winter. And she was a very passionate athlete, actually. So she played tennis. She played ping pong uh, or table tennis also. Uh, I didn't know she was a writer. Uh, she never said a word about that, but she was always reading. I know, for example, in other Jewish circles, Anna Sternsis, for example, brought back, I'm sure our audience knows, you know, the Yiddish songs from another part of Europe, from Soviet uh, prisoners during the Holocaust. And that got a lot of uh, a lot of attention. And, and now comes yours to the Junos. Um, do you think it has anything to do with somehow, and I don't mean to say this the wrong way about artistic, but discovering these old poets is somehow their way of teaching anti against anti-Semitism or making amends. I don't actually know. Do you know where I'm going with this? Because like, it's kind of a weird thing. It's not like Justin Bieber. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If, it sounds actually, I don't know if I even should say that, but that Holocaust has a moment, you know, <laughs> it's like it seems to have um, it seems to have just suddenly become acceptable to speak about again and of interest. And now we're finding with the rise of antisemitism that it's not a minute too late. It really isn't because we have generations now of people who are not educated about it and needs to be, needs to be. That's the only way to learn from history is if you tell the stories. And now we have new history with Ukraine and other places around the world where atrocities once again are being committed. So we need to know what happens when uh, when uh, the 
authoritarian regimes do what they want to do and uh, and start uh, suppressing and 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 uh, uh, persecuting people as, as, as they do. So so there's a lot of new stories now coming up. Although her grandmother's album has just won a Juno, Lichtenberg is busy touring with another Holocaust project, which she did in collaboration with another band. It's an album called Silent Tears, the last Yiddish tango. The album uses the disturbing stories from Toronto women Holocaust survivors who had been tortured or had medical experiments performed on them, including women who lived at the Baycrest Centre in later life. Their words are set to tango music, and the show's been performed at the National Arts Centre in Ottawa recently. It's a hard thing for an audience member to watch because you feel guilty. I felt guilty tapping my toes to the tango and then listening and watching these words of of horror and grief and terror of the victims who survived the Holocaust writing about it. The juxtaposition is very hard to deal with. And I wonder how you, when people tell you that, what what do you say? No, it's a very curious combination of something so rhythmic and and, and deep and passionate, but in sort of like a good way. And then the words, I agree with you 100%. In the program, you would have heard explanation why tango actually makes sense for this, because it was such a popular genre in the 1920s and 30s with Polish Jewry and in Eastern Europe. And so we're kind of connecting the historic line of a timeline of this with the stories as as they're told later, but still by the people who would have been exposed to the genre a lot. And I at first also couldn't wrap my head around it. And from other people, I have heard exactly the same thing, including my daughter, who was also tapping her feet. And then my husband saying, no, no, you can't do that. (laughs) So it's exactly the same thing. But um, I think the beauty of the music uh, does make it's more possible to 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 be exposed to the horrifying stories you know because i think together somehow the message can land in a more more acceptable place for the listener in fact just impacting them very strongly but uh, but not that in such a horrifying way i want to ask you how you prepare and then how to kind of come down from being immersed for so many last uh, it's almost eight years in this kind of work. How have that? How do you deal with that on a daily basis? Being ho- involved in Holocaust so closely. Yeah. Well, I uh, really with my uh, my grandmother's project. It wasn't like that because the poetry is sweet and lyrical, and it doesn't tell horrifying stories. They're all or uh, just. Uh, hinted at and and the, it, they capture darkness but not in such an explicit way whereas uh, silent tears are definitely right in your face i mean it's all there right because it was therapy for them to also be writing it as it was uh, so uh, or molly applebaum's diary she had no reason to mince her words right so so it was uh, really very very powerfully uh, expressed horrors and uh, Yes, it is. It is uh, 
it's uh, it's been a difficult journey, yeah, and especially since my very first song on this album that I have learned and in fact recorded was Dr. Mengele. So I thought all the songs were like that. <laughs> so I said, oh no, I don't think I can do. I don't think I can do another one like this ever in my life. It was very very hard, and it took me several weeks to find the right uh, right approach to it, so I could sing it and still be uh, dramatically enough and emotional and upset and angry as you need to be singing something like this. So when I perform it, I I, I, I am juggling all these uh, particular emotions of the moment, you know? It's 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 not easy, but luckily the other songs in Silent Tears are, uh, are different. As you mentioned, the tango carries them so that you can, you can uh, uh, not be so destroyed by, by the words as you are in, let's say, Dr. Mengele. One other thing about the Silent Tears, our audience should buy it and, and listen to it or download, stream it. But it's important to know that it brings back, for example, how you brought back your grandmother's art and work during the Holocaust. People like Artur Gold and these actual musicians who we would never have heard of today. That made me feel so much better about having to sit there and listen to it. Not because it's not an easy, it's not like a fun concert. I mean, it's beautiful, but it's not fun. Because you think about what could have been and what was and what he went through. So having his name said now again means he's alive again. And I, I don't know if I, you should say that, not me, but that's how I felt. It's it's with all these voices, from my grandmother to all these incredible women. Yes, it brings back their voices that otherwise wouldn't have been heard. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, actually, I got a beautiful email yesterday uh, from uh, someone who was at the concert, and she said that what spoke to her was that the, it was the voices of all these victims and all, all these women that were louder than ours, that our, that, that, that was the ones who actually had the spotlight and to give them that spotlight in the program and in the music is a mitzvah. And I thought that that was such a beautiful way to put it. I mean, I also feel that, but, uh, you know, you don't go into something saying, okay, I'm going to do mitzvah. Like, no, but when that happens and you realize this is what it is, it's it's really a beautiful, exceptional feeling you get from that. All right, we got to end up, but I want to ask you two things about Edmonton. Are you going? Who's yes. Going with you? <laughs> yes, I'm going to Edmonton. Even though I, I I'm pretty sure I have absolutely zero chance, but I don't care. I already feel like I want as much as I could possibly. Uh, so yes, I'm going. So it'll be on the red carpet there. Yes. And are you bringing anything of personal interest or particular meaning to you? Yeah, I always have an item of my grandmother's and, a, and an item of my mother's. So my mother is, I have this little red scarf. <laughs> For my grandmother, I have a brooch. So, and, and what, in performances on stage, I have my grandmother's dress hanging behind me on the wall. So she's actually kind of there, you know, it's really amazing. So I'm taking these things with me. Yes. For good, good luck. <laughs> And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Mindy Kaufman, who wrote in about the episode we did last week with the breast cancer doctor, Dr. Paula Gordon, in Vancouver, urging all women to learn if they have dense breasts or are at higher risk because they're Ashkenazi Jewish women. 
And we'll end the episode with Lenka Lichtenberg's acceptance speech from the Junos. Thanks for listening. I absolutely can't believe it. I am in tears and speechless, but I will thank my amazing family, my husband and my three amazing kids. And Dan Rosenberg, my publicist, and my manager, Ian Menzies, and all the musicians that were on my album that contributed to this. But mainly, I want to thank my mother and my grandmother, who who created this album for me and gave me this gift. And Canada for accepting this little immigrant from Czechoslovakia and letting me be so happy right now. Thank you. Thank you.